Hello and welcome to the In All Seriosity podcast. I'm Patrick Fueling and with me is Matt Mizak. We are part of the leadership team here at Grace Community Church. And Matt, welcome to episode five. Hello. Today, we're going to be continuing a series that we started last time about how to read the Bible well. So last time we spoke on context in general terms, and we talked a little bit about Matt, I'm sorry, Mark 14, and we discussed the characters there and what their roles actually were versus how it could be construed if you didn't read all the verses, both before and after the main chunk that we read. So uh, Matt, just as a little bit of a, uh, going back in time a little bit, there was four types of context that we, uh, we addressed last week, and those were, what is a verse saying within the larger book or letter? Uh, second, how does the verse fit into the larger storyline of Scripture? Third is, what is the historical context? And fourth is, what is the social context? Yeah. So today we're going to discuss a little bit more on the cultural and historical context. And to do that, we're going to look at an example from John 7 and 8 to see the relationship of how the Old Testament relates to the New Testament in terms of what Jesus is, is talking about. So, Matt, let's uh, take it from there. Yeah. So. One of the things that makes reading the Bible hard is that it's written in one of three languages that we do not speak, uh, and anywhere from 4,000 years ago to 2,000 years ago, in a time and culture that we don't recognize, and so that makes it really hard. Um, And so a good analogy that I've heard over the years to describe kind of what we're doing is like that of a tourist traveling to a foreign country uh, and the type of tourist that they're going to be. And so I know you have some stories of traveling. I know you've traveled a lot. Uh, I have a little bit. And I think we've, we can all maybe like point to a time where we've seen a tourist who uh, they, they're kind of the typical American annoying tourist. Uh, and That's not the kind of people that we want to be when we're reading the Bible. And I'll clarify what I mean. But, uh, Pat, you got any travel stories for us? Well, yeah. I've been to Paris twice now. And so when I was in high school, we had a study uh, exchange program. So I got to stay there for about uh, three weeks. And when I was there, everything was brand new. And you saw the tourist things like the Eiffel Tower and some of the different museums. And it was just a really great and interesting experience. And I got obviously the gist of hearing people talk French. I got to experience French cuisine. But when I went back with my daughter uh, about three years ago, we did some different uh, types of tours that I didn't do the first time there. And one of those was actually doing an underground tour of what they call the catacombs. Hmm. And basically Paris is built under just miles and miles of underground tunnels. And that's one of the reasons why they don't have uh, skyscrapers in Paris is because oh, they, they have certain height limits and weight limits because if you were to build something that was too tall or too heavy, oh. it could cause a, a, uh, a monumental uh, sinkhole that would collapse potentially the whole city. So as my daughter and I went through that, we actually got just a more a fuller grasp of why do all these buildings, are they the same height and why are they all the same color? And, and it, it provided so much more context to what really we were seeing and experiencing versus when I was there at an earlier time and just saying, oh, this is a great looking city and, and there's a cool tower here. And um, I, I didn't really pay attention to some of the other minor details. But having that context of what really happened, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, it gives you a new appreciation for what you're experiencing when you're walking around that a city in that particular example. And I think scripture offers that same, uh, that same richness yeah. that especially 
when we read the Old Testament and we see things that are talked about in the New Testament, there's so much more correlation. But if we just read one or the other, we don't get to see how it all comes together. And I think that's one of the great things that, and the cool things that God really has done for us when we read Scripture. So that's what we're going to talk a little bit more about today. And that's just a, a uh, maybe uh, a real-life example of what maybe context may look yeah. like in a situation like that. Yeah, when we travel to a foreign country, we have a choice. Do we want to impose our culture, our customs, our ways of life upon this new land that we're in? Or do we want to embrace and take on the customs and the cultures and the values and the ways of life that this culture, uh, you know, lives by? Um, It'd be like, you know, no real New Yorker, if you went to visit somebody in New York, nobody would take you to Times Square or to, you know, the Statue of Liberty or the Empire State. They take you to this underground pizza place that they go to that nobody else knows about. And they take you to all these different places that... Um, what really kind of embrace what it means to be from New York. I remember I went to school in Chicago and anytime anybody came to visit, they wanted to go see the bean, the bean. They wanted to, they had to go see the bean, just this metal ball basically. And I saw the bean so many times. It was so annoying. And I finally remember somebody coming to visit and they said, I don't want to do any of the tourist stuff. I want you to take me to your favorite places in Chicago. And that was the best visit I had because they wanted, hey, what is it? What's it been like living in Chicago the last four years? Not, hey, can we go to these three tourist spots? Um, and so that's kind of what it means to read the Bible is like, do we want to embrace the cultures, the values, the history of the culture that we're reading? Or do we want to impose our culture on them? and try to understand uh, or or make them try to fit into our categories. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit about today uh, with two great examples from John chapter 7 and John chapter 8. So in John chapter 7 and John chapter 8, Jesus makes two statements. Well, he makes a lot more than two, but today we're going to look at two statements that Jesus makes uh, and talk a little bit about why uh, it's so important to understand kind of the layers behind the things that Jesus is saying. So John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38, Jesus says this. It says, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Then in John chapter 8, verse 12, says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So, Pat, uh, what would you say uh, if we just, you know, we just had those two verses. If we just had those, what would you say kind of the takeaways would be from what Jesus just shared. Well, Matt, when we read those, we, we, we see Jesus as everlasting water. And so we would just think, oh, great. Well, um, kind of like at the woman in the well where Jesus said, you know, you don't have to keep refilling uh, your bucket because with me, you believe in me, you're never going to have to do that again. And, and if I'm the light of the world, you know, just in basic terms, that the light is going to crowd out the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's much more to that, and, and as you, you were reading that, there was one line in, in John 7, or one, a couple words actually, where it says, Scripture has said. 
and I hadn't really thought through that much in, until just recently, yeah. Yeah, because that's what we're going to talk about here is what, yeah. what does Scripture really say? Because there's a lot more to this whole verse than just, oh, well, I'm, I am living water and you never have to thirst again. There's really meaning behind it. And that's what I assume you're going to get into here a little bit more. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's just a really good point to know that, like, Jesus had a set of scriptures that he grew up learning uh, and knowing as scripture. And so, like, he's going to refer to those quite often throughout his teachings. And really, that's a perfect segue. We couldn't have pointed any better uh, for what we're going to talk about is just the rich history and the cultural and the uh, historical context behind what Jesus just said. So let's get into it. So Matt, uh, you read in verse 37 there that this was the last day of the feast. Let's rewind a little bit and go back to verses 10 and 11 in chapter 7. And they say, however, after all his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? So let's stop for a quick moment, Matt, and ask, what is this festival that that they're referring to here, and does it have any significance to uh, this whole section? Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. So this is the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles, sometimes it's called to. Uh, today, you may know it as Sukkot. Uh, that's the celebration that's being uh, mentioned here. Uh, this is the last uh, festival in the biblical calendar um, in the Hebrew scriptures. And what uh, Sukkot, or the Feast of Booths, is, is a celebration uh, and a remembrance of God's deliverance for his people when they were wandering in the wilderness uh, after they escaped slavery in Egypt. And so if you think back to those uh, that time period, there were several things that really happened, but uh, the Festival of Booths celebrates three main things. Uh, first of all, the, uh, the, the shelter and the provision that God made for them, uh, and so that's why it's called the Feast of Booths. They would make these temporary houses to, to commemorate that. Uh, second, they would celebrate uh, God providing water uh, and food for them, uh, food and, and, and water for his people. And then third uh, was they would celebrate the uh, guidance, the literal guidance that God gave his people in the form of the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire um, by day and by night. And so the Festival of Booths celebrates really that whole deliverance from uh, Egypt that God kind of maintained his people throughout. Tell me a little bit more about what's going on with the water here in this verse that you just read. Yeah, so at the start of the Festival of Booths, which was a week-long celebration, uh, each morning, essentially what would happen was there was what's called a water-drawing ritual that would begin each day. Um, and there would be this blowing of the shafar, uh, this ram's horn. Um, you may know what that sounds like. You may even own one. Pat. I just ordered one on Amazon. It's uh, actually a cool sound. It's, if you ever watch the uh, NFL, the Vikings, it sounds like a Viking oh, horn. Yeah. Yeah. And they play it after every touchdown. It'll, if you order it on Amazon, it'll probably be at your house when you get back. But each, uh, each morning, this, this shofar would get blown, and then the priest would walk. Uh, he would leave the temple. And he'd go down to this pool of Siloam in the city of David, and he would recite this uh, passage from Isaiah 12, and he would plunge this pitcher that he was holding, this golden pitcher that he walked with, 
he'd plunge it into this pool uh, and he would he would lift it up and it was to symbolize the 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 life and the refreshment and the preservation that happened with Israel back uh, after they escaped from Egypt in the wilderness. And so, do you know what that might be referencing, Pat? Do you know what story that might be referencing? Was that with uh, Moses striking the of the rock? Perfect, exactly. Yeah, uh, at Meribah, I think is what it was. But Moses is instructed to strike this rock after the people complain that there's no water out in the wilderness. And so God talks to Moses, and they have this conversation, and Moses doesn't know what to do. And God instructs him, hey, strike this rock with your uh, staff, and water will pour out of it. And somehow it does. That It's exactly what happens. And so God provided water for his people through this completely unnecessary or un, not unnecessary, through this unexpected source. But very necessary. But very necessary. Yeah, they would have died without it. True. Very necessary. And so you can picture Jesus. He's watching this celebration. He's watching the priests do this each morning. He's, he's at the festival. Uh, he's celebrating as a good Israelite. He's watching the last day, this water ceremony, to celebrate God's provision for his people, to satisfy and to sustain. And he has this thought. And he shares these words. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within, from within them. So now that we understand a little bit more about the background, what do you think the significance of this passage is, Pat? Well, what it almost does is it almost brings full circle Again, what God started off doing with the Israelites and is completed through Jesus, and it's a reminder, as or maybe not just a reminder, but it's it's a statement, it's a that, reality. Yeah, that, that He is God, and He is He's rem- reminding them of what He's already done for them and what He continues to do and what He will do on the cross as well. Yeah, He's pointing to the water. I mean, like you can visualize it, like. He's pointing at the water, either figuratively or maybe even literally, and he's saying, uh, yeah, what that was for the people back in the wilderness, I am that reality. I am the fulfillment, the complete fulfillment, the realization, the culmination of all of these things. And now, uh, even more so, because everybody who who drinks of water, if you remember from the woman at the well, is going to be thirsty the next day. Whereas with Jesus, it's an internal satisfaction. It's a, it's a quenching of our thirst, um, both literally and figuratively. And then there's this little add-on of rivers of living water flowing from within them. And you get this picture of uh, Ezekiel's vision, uh, and I think it's in Ezekiel chapter 40, of water flowing out from among the temple. And it's just like the holiness of God through his spirit is, is just flowing out from his people into the the communities and the cultures and and the in the land as a result of god's uh, presence and his holiness with his people and so jesus is not just saying you know i'm the source of life or satisfaction he's he's really connecting all these dots back to something that happened in israel's history to point to who he is so matt when you're talking about how there are rivers of living water that are flowing within them i was thinking back to psalm 23 where David says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And to me, it's just, a, it's a great visual picture of what Jesus's love can do for us. And that it's just a, a great way to, again, when we're putting things together from a contextual standpoint, to try to get the whole picture of, of 
what this really means. So, so that talks a little bit about water. Uh, how about light? We uh, mentioned that earlier in this uh, festival of booze. What does the light uh, have to do with what we read earlier? Yeah, so when Jesus says that he is the light of the world, I just want uh, us to understand a little bit more about why Jesus says that in this specific context. So, in the Festival of Booths, one of the big pieces of the celebration or the commemoration was a celebration of God leading Israel through the wilderness with these giant pillars of cloud and pillars of fire. Um, And so, from Exodus chapter 13, um, it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. A huge part of the celebration was these giant 75 feet tall um, lampstands or like giant lanterns uh, that were lit at each night of the festival. And so these giant, like I think there's four of them, these giant candelabras or lampstands, they held eight gallons of oil. They would be lit. uh, And it was a symbol of how God led them through Uh, the wilderness with the pillar of fire. That's going on in the background. And Jesus is celebrating this festival and he looks around at these giant lampstands and he has this to say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. So Matt, what's the significance of Jesus saying that? Well, while this festival is going on, I mean, you know, he could say that that anytime, but in particular with this festival. Yeah, and I mean, what what I think it means, and we can tell by the reaction of the people that Jesus is speaking to, uh, we, can, we can look at the reaction a little bit later, but this is a giant deal, what he's saying. This isn't just saying, you know, follow me, like he said to his disciples before, or things like that. What he's saying is that in the same way that your ancestors followed this pillar of fire, like he, I can picture him just pointing up to these giant lampstands and saying, that's what I am. That's who I am. Uh, I am God. I am the fulfillment of what that represented back uh, so long ago. And if you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness again. I am the light who will lead you to God. That's really what I think the deeper meaning here is, is I will lead you not only throughout life, but I am the way to God. And, and, and really, you have to follow me in order to, uh, to get to God. He's also, in, in verse 13, the Pharisees also kind of try to call him out, yeah. basically say, you're really not saying that you're God, are you? I mean, they said it obviously a little bit more uh, uh, direct than that. But, but it, I think part of this, too, is that there's such a legalism with what's going on at this time, and Jesus is there to be the fulfillment of everything. And, and again, these Pharisees that are so legalistic and trying to find everything that they can do to catch him blaspheming, um, it's just a way where Jesus, again, is just, you know, he's all in and saying, listen, this is who I am. And this is just a great example of, of again, his boldness uh, in light of, of, you know, these so-called religious uh, men at the time. Yeah. I mean, the conversation keeps going, and you guys can read that for yourselves, but the conversation keeps going. And by the end of chapter 8, it's all this one long conversation. It says that the people picked up stones to stone Jesus uh, because of what he was saying. Because this, if you remember, this is the section where it says Jesus says, uh, before Abraham was, I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say, oh, well, that can't be true. How are you greater than our father Abraham? Uh, and 
what this does, Jesus is saying, I am the way to God. I am, I am the light that will guide you in the darkness in the same way that this pillar of fire led you uh, in the wilderness. And so if we don't, if we don't understand some of the historical and the cultural context behind what Jesus is saying, we would completely miss that. We would completely miss the significance of what Jesus is saying here, um, simply because we're on this cult cross-cultural exercise, and we didn't make the effort to understand the culture that we're that we're reading about. It's so easy in our fast-paced society, Matt, just to read the Bible or use it as something where we just we check off that we read such and such a verse or a chapter today, but. There are so many, especially in today's world, there are so many things with technology that we can just dive deeper into. And, and we would really encourage you, as you're, reading the, as you're reading a section of the Bible, find a concordance, find a study Bible, find a commentary, uh, do some Google searches of, of the, the uh, part of Scripture that you're looking at. Uh, because what the takeaway of this whole thing really is, is that the Bible is kind of like, it's kind of a crass way of saying it, but it's kind of like an onion, and you're peeling back different layers. And behind every layer is something different. And again, you could look at it as just our onion example as the onion itself, but there's so much more behind that that if you keep peeling it back and peeling it back, you're just getting such a, there's more richness and there's more uh, development uh, within our understanding of what God's really trying to say to us. And so it's, it's just an encouragement to look at the, in this case, the historical and social context of, of scripture, because there's so many things that at face value we just read that we would never catch on to. And what I love about it is like, we have a God who, I mean, it's cheesy, but we have a God who meets us where we're at. And I can just imagine Jesus looking around at all these illustrations around him, like this water festival and this light uh, lantern uh, celebration, and just thinking, man, I can use this to teach more about myself. And so I just love the way that Jesus uses the things that are around us. I mean, even just in communion, it's like bread and wine are the two most like basic things in all of the earth. And he uses these to teach us more about who he is. So I just love that we have a God who um, enters into our world, like really enters into our reality um, and teaches us about him in a way that we can understand in a simplistic way. Uh, to teach about just an incredibly complex and beautiful God that we serve. Well, that's all our time for today. We uh, wanted to thank you again for joining us for this episode of In All Seriosity. As we uh, discussed earlier, if you have questions or comments, uh, please go to our website, which is www.gotgrace.info. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review as well. If you'd like more information about Grace Community Church, please check us out at www.gotgrace.info. And until next time.